0: He said, To the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. Great to be back with you. Let's cover a couple of things before we jump into today's cuts. First, some of you might have noticed that on Instagram we started doing some reels that were not from uh, a leader's cut teaching. And we started calling those shortcuts. So those are literally just reels that I'm writing kind of prophetically for a very specific type of person. So here's what I'd ask. If you ever see a shortcut, especially, would you just quickly pray about someone the Lord might ask you to send that to? And just send it to them, and let the Holy Spirit speak to them through it. All right. Then also, let me address several of you made comments about me wearing pink this last uh, episode. Uh, that you enjoyed the pink. I didn't. I didn't plan that, and nor do I put things on for people to talk about. But uh, if pink is a thing, so be it. All right. I just want you to know how much I love all of you. I enjoy all the engagement. I'm so grateful for the way you're hearing God speak to you through what we're trying to do. So uh, before we jump into the cuts, let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to step in and to speak so clearly to us because if he doesn't, this is all just a waste of all of our time. All right, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being the one who speaks to us. We are grateful, God, that you are the God who speaks. And we so deeply desire to hear your voice in these moments we have together. Holy Spirit, would you just take over this time? And would you speak to us so powerfully and so clearly that we know deep in our hearts it's certainly you and we will hold on to it. Holy Spirit, bless this time and bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So you saw from the title and the thumbnail that what we're going to talk about are three things that I think we all need more of in our lives. All right. And uh, one of these, I know, is is maybe a surprise to you, but we're going to walk it through. And then we are going to spend some time talking about several of my favorite things, which are, which is especially holy moments. But before we get there, let's jump into the first thing that I know probably surprises you that I think you and I need more of in our everyday lives, mistakes. There should be more mistakes in our lives. James 3 verse 2 says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. Mistakes. Well, we should, and we should understand that we do. And, and I know we could have varying uh, definitions of the word mistake, but here's what I would say a mistake is when something was done wrong, in the wrong way, or at the wrong time. And I don't I don't want to dwell on the the best definition for the word. I just know scripture says we make many of them, and I think we should go further and say we should. Now, I'm not talking about sinful mistakes, and I'm going to kind of jump back and forth between sinful mistakes and actual mistakes. And what's an actual mistake? Shooting a shot that doesn't go in. That's the most simple way I can say it. Yesterday, I was at a lunch with a friend from Israel, and he was talking about how he had this uh, fairly big initiative several years ago that... Uh, he felt the Lord put on their heart and uh, they shot the shot and then COVID happened and all the rules changed and they lost the people running uh, this endeavor due to COVID and they had to shut it down. And he had raised money for this and and was processing, am I going to have to give back the funds that were given towards this specific uh, missional endeavor? And I said, listen, Here's what I would say. If you're making all the shots that you take, you're not taking all the right shots. And furthermore, for me personally, I never want to invest in someone who makes all their shots. Because there's really only one way to make all your shots. Shoot layups. (laughs) Ain't nobody got time for layups. Threes count 50% more than twos. You need to put up some big shots as it relates to your calling. You need to make more mistakes and get comfortable when you do. Now you're going to hear me, if we run together, you're going to hear me talk a lot about mistakes. And here's why I didn't used to live like this. I, I thought that success was having the highest batting average. And when you start studying entrepreneurs, you learn that it isn't the batting average that makes a successful entrepreneur. You know what it is? It's hitting one grand slam out of a hundred at-bats. That's it. And when I learned that principle, it freed me up to take many, many more shots. Now, what you need to remember about mistakes is mistakes can only ruin those who can't get beyond them. You won't be able to step into more holy moments, which we're going to talk about, if you can't get past your mistakes. This has happened with me. The enemy has taken mistakes from my past and he'll constantly try and bring them back up. Well, if I fixate on the mistakes of my past and I sense God calling me into his presence for a little alone time together, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to be more inclined to be like, I don't deserve to go in there because I've made some big mistakes. So listen, how you see your mistakes in some part is going to determine how you live your life. And I have a question for you. How does God handle your mistakes? Let me give you the most simple answer. Not like you. He most certainly does not handle your mistakes the way you do. Oftentimes, the way we handle our mistakes, it's like sitting beneath a a tree by ourselves, chaining ourselves to our worst mistakes. This is a terrible way to live our lives. God does not handle my mistakes or your mistakes by chaining me to them. Let me take you to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 and show you how God handles your mistakes. He says, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins, sinful mistakes, are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white As wool. Here's what we must remember about our mistakes and what God does with our mistakes when we are His children. Those who have been bought with the blood of Jesus are covered in and washed by the blood of Jesus. So when you try and find my mistakes, you need to know they've been covered in the blood. Now, I'm not saying intentionally make sinful mistakes. What I'm saying is, as children of God, we must never allow ourselves to be defined by our mistakes. Yes, you've made mistakes. But is your life going to be defined by the mistakes you made or by the God who sent his son to redeem them? I'll take option number two, please. (laughs) I don't want to view myself through all of my mistakes. Because if I do, then I'll always be hesitant to take more shots. Because deep down, I'm afraid I'll make more mistakes. Here's the best way to handle mistakes. I'm going to give you three things to see. First, admit it. When you make a mistake, admit it. Don't hide it, admit it. Proverbs 28, verse 13 says People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess, and turn away from them, they will receive mercy. This is is genius. This is literally the the three things right here in this one verse. When you make a mistake, first, admit it. I used to hide almost every mistake I made. Let me just tell you what I learned from that uh, attempt at existence on this earth. It's an incredibly stressful way to live. Revealing everything can sometimes seem embarrassing, but hiding everything will always be stressful. So here's what happens: when you miss a shot, just uh oh, yeah, I'm gonna take another one. No big deal. I'm gonna take 20 more in this game. One miss isn't going to define me. But if you try and hide it, it's going to eventually negatively affect you. So when you make a mistake, admit it. In a relationship, good piece of advice. When you make a mistake, admit it. Don't act like you didn't do wrong. One of the worst things you can do in a relationship is act like you didn't make a mistake. I used to do this all the time with Holly. when We were first married. I would make a mistake and then I would act like, oh no, no, I didn't mess up. And I would, I would try and spin it. Such an idiot. I sleep so much better when I just admit when I make a mistake. When I, when I was a young father, I used to struggle admitting my mistakes. And you know what I learned? It costs me relational equity with my kids. And so now, like with my oldest son, he's the one most likely like me. And when we'll be in a discussion or out on the golf course, and we start kind of coming at it from two different perspectives and having a getting a stronger conversation. And when I mess up, I've learned one of the fastest ways with my oldest son to build relational equity is when I mess up to own it, to admit it. All right. So first way to handle a mistake, admit it. Second, learn from it. Learn from your mistake. The best way to see a mistake is that mistakes are are truly only a mistake when you choose not to learn from them. Mistakes can be some of the best teachers I don't have the time, but if I did, I would walk you through some mistakes from some really great entrepreneurs and inventors. They were trying to do one thing. They messed it up. They made a mistake and ended up creating something far better. Mistakes can be a good thing when you learn from them. Third thing we have to do when we make mistakes, don't repeat it. Make a commitment. To be a man or woman who does not repeat their mistakes. Another way for the people in your life to lose trust in you is when you make the same mistakes over and over and over again. The only way you return to a mistake is by either reliving it or repeating it. So don't repeat it and don't relive it. I learn from my mistakes, but I don't want to relive them. Because when I relive my mistakes in my mind or in my heart, it's really easy to start defining myself by that mistake. All right? Now, let me, let me very quickly, before we move to the second thing, talk about people holding on to your mistakes. Because from time to time, you're going to encounter people who hold a little too tightly to your mistakes. If someone perceives you by your mistakes... It's only because they feel defined by theirs. Don't wear what they sew. Don't put on you what they can't get off them. Don't see you through what they say. Someone who feels defined by their mistakes will always remember well when others make their mistakes. But what does God say in Hebrews 8, verse 12 about your mistakes, which are sins? He says, I remember your sins no more. This is our model. And this is a model for our relationships. What does 1 Corinthians say? Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. You can't keep reminding yourself of all of your sinful mistakes when God says he chooses not to remember all of them. And furthermore, you can't allow people to get close to you who love to bring up All of the mistakes of your past if your God releases you from them and remembers them no more don't let people get close to you when they won't let go of all of your mistakes here's the second thing I think we need more of uh, at all times in our lives but especially in this season of life there needs to be more holy moments Just simply put, we need to experience more holy moments with the God of the universe. Here's my why. Holy moments are moments with God which mark you for life. Every morning I wake up, I wake up with this mentality almost all mornings. Today could be a day where the God of the universe renders me speechless and takes my breath away by ushering me into a holy moment with him that I will not have verbiage to describe. I long for it. And because I long for it, I look for it. I want more of it. Unfortunately, I think many believers have gotten to a place where we can go through our everyday lives without holy moments. This is no way no mi amigos, mi amigas. No, 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 no. Please don't go a week without getting to experience a holy moment with the Lord. And and I'm not suggesting a holy moment like the one I'm about to read to you in Exodus chapter three that Moses had with God. Of course, there are uh, huge holy moments, but then there are also sweet, private holy moments. And what I'm about to read to you is a huge one. I admit it. Okay. But here's what I'd say. Um, don't measure all of your holy moments by this one. Okay. Because this, this is a doozy. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter three, starting in verse one, tells us of this extremely holy moment between Moses and God. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Okay, this is a clinic right here. How do you steward a holy moment? Do what Moses did. Get lost in it. Get get the picture of Moses. I mean, this is what he's doing. Yeah, he was not looking at that, this movie of a holy moment going, rolling his eyes. He was amazed by it. Sometimes I think we don't get to experience more of the supernaturally holy moments God wants us to experience because we're just like, eh. No, if you'll celebrate the small stuff, if you will be in amazement of the little things, I believe you'll get to experience more of the supernaturally huge, huge things. Listen to what Moses says in verse three. He says, this is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. this is more of a clinic. Like this is the best passage that I know on stewarding a holy moment with God. He doesn't just find himself amazed by it he's so captivated by it he draws nearer to it another way to say it he steps into it even more watch this verse 4 god responds when the lord saw moses coming to take a closer look okay i'm gonna hold it together on this i am not gonna cry over this but i'm telling you these words hit me like a ton of bricks. I see my God, who's friends with Moses, and I want to be friends with God, and I want him to be friends with me. I see in verse 4, my best friend, the Lord, watching Moses come closer and respond even more intimately as a result. And it makes my heart explode. I, I literally find myself wanting to Draw near every time I'm in a moment with the Lord, just just like a nerd, like a little boy. just Just stare at it with amazement and then step more into it without rushing past it. God sees Moses come to take a closer look. You know it warmed his heart. And as a result, in response, God called to Moses from the middle of the bush. So it's amazing the bush is on fire, but now God speaks through it. Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. You are in a holy moment. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God this right here is a textbook clinic in my opinion for how to handle these holy moments I mean you could do a whole series on this but this reminds me how grateful I am that God never expects me to figure it out all by myself when God gives such a clear picture in scripture and, and protocol for handling holy moments. In my opinion, there's only one reason. Because he wants to experience them with us all the time. With all my heart, I believe that the God of the universe wants to share a holy moment with you today. Maybe even right now. What is a holy moment? It's a normal moment interrupted by an anything but normal God. If you don't experience holy moments with God, it's probably not because you have a holiness problem. Many think you have to be uber holy just to have holy moments. God supplies the holy. You just need to supply the moments. So here's the big question. Do you have room in your life for holy moments with God? Here's another way to say it. Do you give God the right and the room to interrupt your daily schedule anytime he wants? If you don't make space for him, it dramatically decreases how much you encounter him. Often, people get so focused on the details and demands of life that they miss the daily demonstrations of God's faithfulness and power. A life that minimizes earthly distractions is a life God fills with heavenly interruptions. What do you do in a holy moment? Do what Moses did in Exodus 3. Take your shoes off. And stay a while. This is the clinic. This is the textbook. And and if I were you, and and I was desiring more holy moments, you know what I'd do? I'd meditate every day for the next seven days on Exodus chapter 3. I'd just read through it. And I would meditate on it. And I'd write out what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. If you want more holy moments, don't just talk about it. Prepare for them. Study how to have them. Study how to steward them. Study what to do in the midst of them. And when you get into them, be wise enough that when you step into a holy moment, you do everything you can to make it last. As I was studying for our time uh, together and I was going through holy moments, I just felt my best friend say, Preston, in this season of life, you know what I want from you? I want you to start a journal of holy moments. Now, I'll tell you honestly what this little boy was thinking when he heard that. The second he said it, here's my thought. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on just a sec. Like the only reason you would say, I want you to start a journal of holy moments is if you wanted to have more of them with me than ever. And here's what I felt like my best friend did in response. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, imagine if you started a journal and just on the cover of it wrote, my journal of our holy moments. Do you think there's a chance God might look in your direction and go, "Well, go, okay, cupcake, you're preparing for more? All right. You would only do that if they were special to you. If you want more of them, I can give them. <laughs> so I, I know my takeaway from these cuts is I am starting a journal of holy moments. I've had, Scripture journal. I've had daily journal uh, in different seasons. I do it in different ways. And I'm kind of excited for the first time to start a journal of holy moments. And I might actually start it by going all the way back to when I was 13 and writing out some of my favorite ones. And as I say that and I hear my heart say it, I just see the look on the Lord's face in my heart going, okay, really? That's how you're going to start that journal? Not with tomorrow's holy moment, but with your favorite ones from the past together. Listen, if you will treasure what is holy, what is altogether separate from all the other normal moments of life, if you'll treasure what is holy, you'll get to experience more of it. And that brings us to the third thing. Because essentially I just hit on it without you realizing it. There must be more memorials. There must be more memorials in our lives what's a memorial a memorial is a forever reminder of a moment where god did what you couldn't joshua chapter four if you have your bible you can read it with me uh, because i just love singing in my own bible but we're going to read seven verses together of a special moment in the life of the people of israel starting in verse one it says when all the people had crossed the jordan the lord said to joshua Okay, now remember, he parted the Jordan the way he parted the Red Sea for them to get across and go into the land of the promise. God says, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord, your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel, watch this last word, forever. Forever. Did you know there are things that God is going to do in your life that are bigger than much of the other things God does in your life that he never, ever, ever wants you to forget. God desired these memorial stones to be a reminder for his people, not for a day, not for a week, not for a month, not for a year, forever. Forever. That's just romantic. We serve a God who does special things which he does not want us to forget. When we forget something special done by someone special to us, it sends the message that neither are special enough to remember. Many of us cry out to God to get a response. Why would God be quick to respond if you're always so quick to forget? Don't ask God to keep saying something new if you keep forgetting everything he's already said. God told the children of Israel to make memorials which commemorate the special thing God did in parting the Jordan for them. I actually find this completely romantic. God seems to be saying, what I'm about to do for you is extremely special because you are extremely special to me. If you will celebrate it and never forget it, that's one of the ways I will know I am special to you. you want to see God do more unbelievable things in your life? Make sure you consistently celebrate and constantly remember every special thing he does. And when you do, do not be at all surprised when he does even more of it. Memorials are reminders. Reminders are to remember. What's the best way to remember something? To talk about it. You know, they teach you when you have to lead uh, a group. Uh, so, for instance, me leading a church, you know, that um, names are important and, and set a goal, try and remember the names. Well, it's hard the more and more people you you talk to on a consistent basis. But one of the tricks they teach you is say their name multiple times. Now, the person who taught me this was my wife. Because she remembers everything. She's literally like Raymond. She remembers phone numbers. She remembers random numbers from her days in business. And so when she's out in the lobby, kind of, I've always kind of called her one of the mayors of the lobby. She remembers people's names that she met one time months and months and months ago. And I remember asking her one time, how do you do this? She said, "I, I just, while I'm standing there with them, I say their name over and over. And then when they walk away, I say it a few more times. What is she teaching us? If something matters to you, talk about it enough so that you'll remember it. If it doesn't matter, you'll just move right on. One of the things I love about this passage, though, is that God says that one day your children will ask about these stones and you will tell them of the story. This is what God did. I think this is a great model for our homes. As parents, we need to tell more stories of the miraculous things God has done. We need to talk about it more than we do. At family dinner, we just need to hijack the conversation and tell a random story of a day gone by where God did something miraculous. You know, part of my responsibility as a dad is to pass on the faith in God, which was passed on to me. And one of the ways it's been passed on to me is by the retelling of stories where God did a miracle. Can you imagine what the faith of the people in our lives would look like if we more consistently told stories about god's miraculous faithfulness and miraculous power i have a habit uh, and i used to think this was a really bad habit but i name drop the lord all the time and when i was younger in my early 20s i used to think that was a bad thing and what i mean when i say i name drop the lord all the time is i bring him up in conversation all the time. And because I bring him up so much, it's not abnormal for me to bring up something I've seen him do. And especially when I'm with younger leaders, I, I feel a responsibility to share those stories, to name drop him, to make sure his name consistently comes out of my mouth. What good is a memorial stone if God's name isn't on it? I don't just, I want to celebrate success but I want to remember miracles. He, that wasn't in my notes right there. I, I need to do a better job of celebrating little successes along the way. But what I committed to early on is I'm always going to remember the miracles of God. And the only way is to talk about them consistently. I remember when we moved out here to Scottsdale, before we moved here, we were looking for a home. And There's a a small town north of North Scottsdale uh, that I wanted to live in, but it's a little bit further removed from the hubbub of the city. And Holly wanted to be, because of the kids, closer to the middle of the city. I wanted to be out away from it. And the name of the city is Carefree, and we found this house uh, that the former owner of a rock quarry had owned. And, If you would have seen the yard, it was probably about an acre and a half. If you would have seen this yard, you probably would have hated it. But he had these big boulders set upright all over the yard. I'm sure a lot of the neighbors uh, called it tacky. Man, it was kind of right on the edge. But I felt the Lord give me a picture of how beautiful it was. And here was the picture. Uh... Tim and I were going out there praying and and one time as I was prayer walking it no one was living in the house at the time I felt the Lord give me a picture and here was the picture I was walking through a garden like that yard where there were little rocks and mid-sized rocks and then big boulders all spread out in this garden and there was like a path that wandered through them and At the base of every rock, whether big or small, there was like a a nameplate. And I, I looked down at the first rock and I saw a name, a date, and a miracle. And on the first rock, I remember seeing a marriage saved. And on another rock, I saw, this was a bigger rock, cancer healed. And I just started looking at all these rocks and they all were named. They were all aden- identified and didn't understand it until the Lord helped me see it. They were memorial stones. Now looking back, I realized the Lord wasn't showing me I should buy that house. What he was showing me was how I should live my life. That my life and my heart will work best When it's like that garden where i put up memorial stones as reminders of the faithfulness of god when god did something i couldn't and just mark the date who it involved and what god did what's wild is there were a bunch of really big rocks that didn't have any labels on them and My heart just got excited seeing, I felt like the Lord was saying, oh Preston, there's many, many miracles ahead. Just make sure you celebrate them all, and make sure you consistently, constantly remember them all. The more you celebrate what God does, the less you should be surprised when God does even more of it. Memorials are a wonderful way to raise our children, Without realizing it, go back to the kindergarten days, what do we do? We take their pictures that they color that look like chicken scratch, and where do we put them? On the fridge. What are we doing? We're saying, something special was done here by someone special in my life, and we're going to put it in front of us all so that we can all be reminded of it and celebrate it. Here's the thing though. When all you think about are your mistakes, you kind of start to crowd out space where there's not really room for memorial stones. What what will you choose to remember more? The mistakes you make or the miracles God does? See, this is why I think the enemy tries to hype up this narrative in our hearts that we just make too many mistakes and the mistakes we make are too big to ever be redeemed. I think this is a part of his why. He's trying to fill our minds and hearts with thoughts of all of the mistakes so that there's far less room to remember the miracles. Because the enemy knows when I remember the miraculous moments, There's usually more of them. I don't understand how it works. I just know that seems to be the way it does work. So let me challenge you. Sometime today or this week, take some time and write out the miraculous moments of your life. Go back as far as you can remember. Write them out. Then once you have the list, Spend some time alone with the Lord celebrating them and thanking Him all over again as though you never have. Also, take some time today or this week to write out the holy moments, your favorite holy moments you've experienced with God. It's one of the ways to let Him know you want more of them. And thirdly, take some time today or this week to write out a list of your biggest mistakes. And then out next to them, what you learn from them. Fastest way to retrain your brain that mistakes can be a good thing is remembering what you learn from them. We need more mistakes. We need more holy moments. And we need more memorials of the miraculous moments where God did something we couldn't. A life like that. I believe, is a life God looks at with a huge smile on His face. I want to pray over you and just ask the Holy Spirit to do things beyond what you're asking for. I believe there are holy moments around the corner that God desires to walk us into. But we need to Dig through the soil of our hearts and make sure nothing's getting in the way all right let me pray over you god thank you so much for not just my brothers and sisters but my friends i'm so grateful that i get to walk with them and that they walk with me as we walk together with you and lord one of the things that makes my life so special is all the holy moments You sovereignly chose to share with me lord i pray over my brothers and sisters that you would anoint them and bless them to experience three times as many holy moments as you and i have experienced lord i pray that you would render them speechless today i pray you would break into a normal moment in in their lives today and make it a holy moment. I pray they would see the bush burn today. I pray they would hear your voice in the bush this week. And Lord, with all of my heart, I pray you would do whatever needs to be done so that when you invite them into the holy moment that they're amazed by it that they step fully into it and draw more closely to it and that they would take their shoes off and stay a while God I know if we Will experience more holy moments it will change the rest of our moments for the rest of our days we don't just need you we certainly do but we don't just need you at the deepest level of our being we desire you and we desire to have holy moments with you moments so holy and so special that you're the only one we get to experience them with. God, would you bless my brothers and sisters with more wisdom via their mistakes, with more holy moments between them and their God. And Lord, I pray their lives, hearts and minds would be filled with memorial stones commemorating your goodness your faithfulness your power and your awesomeness may our hearts be filled with commemorating memorial stones in jesus name amen i love you so much and i enjoy our time together at such a deep level i'm praying for you if you have a prayer request pop into the comments just put it in there i like to pray specifically so if there's something going on just shoot it in the comments and i would love to take it before the lord uh, and just cover you in prayer i love you so much god loves you so so much more than that can't wait to see you next time god bless you